Hello and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of human ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of Spiderworks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. With me today is Nancy McKay, founder of McKay CEO Forum. Nancy saw a need in the world for business leaders to be able to learn from each other and founded McKay CEO Forums to create a peer learning opportunity for all leaders. She's joined us today to talk about how the role of CEO has changed since she founded her forum back in 2005. Nancy, welcome to Say Hi to the Future. Thank you so much for inviting me, Ken. Always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. That's uh, And it's always inspiring when I get to spend time with you. Well, th- thank you for that. And Nancy, let's start. I mean, you founded um, McKay CEO Forms in 2005. And the vision, if I understand it right, was to populate the world with inspiring leaders. What, what is an inspiring leader? Well, we actually call it our dream, Ken, which is to populate the world with inspiring leaders. And we believe that business leaders are actually our best hope for making our world a more inspiring world based on all of the things that are going on, not just covid And our definition of inspiring leadership is it starts with, well, three things. One is inspired leadership. You go first, which is you need to be able to figure out how you're going to inspire yourself every day, which is a big piece of work. And that is the beginning of inspiring leadership. And uh, once you figure out how to inspire yourself every day, which we have a whole toolkit on helping leaders uh, based on what we've learned over the past 17 years at McCasey Forms on how to do that, then it's much easier to inspire other people, which is the second aspect of inspiring leaders is you inspire yourself, you inspire others to take positive action. And the third part of it is you are then able to achieve extraordinary outcomes, which are defined by you and your own measure of success around your passion and your commitment to making a difference in the world. So those are the three key aspects of how we define inspiring leadership. Well, I, thank you for that. And I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think, you know, I think today, and I think I look at my my kids' generation, their mid late 20s, um, the notion of, of not just inspiring others, but being connected to our world. I think it's more the norm or it's more something that they're they're more aware of or connected to. To see that you brought that to the CEO level and you did it, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I, I think that's incredible and, and incredibly important. Well, thank you for that acknowledgement. And I want to say we have a whole team at McCasey Forums, our forum chairs, who are all very successful trusted advisors, and they work tirelessly, especially during COVID, to really support CEOs, executives, and business owners through the whole COVID journey. And uh, we have our whole leadership team, and we really, uh, I think, as you know, we're a beneficial corporation, which is a big part of our culture and our set of values, which we take a stand on uh, wanting to be the best for the world, not just the best in the world. And we want other people to join us on that journey because we think that now more than ever, it's an exponential change world. The world has changed. And if people are still using the same outdated leadership principles that they used 17 years ago, they're not going to win that kind of old school telling culture, command and control, I'm the boss at the top. uh, That's really become very obsolete in our view. 
And um, in, in fact, we're very, very uh, committed to uh, creating the, a movement around it's not about that. It's about treating every human being as a human being. And everyone has the opportunity to show up as a leader and contribute and really getting people to stop and reflect on how are they showing up and are they really treating every human being, regardless of their gender, their race, their ethnicity, their background, how are they treating them as a human being with respect and uh, inclusion? Well, as you say that, I think, I mean, one, it's incredible, but the other word that comes to mind is monumental. And the, the reason I say that, I mean, look, I'm 35 years into my career. I've been an entrepreneurial CEO for 27 of those 35 years. When we, when we started, I mean, we, we were taught that we were alone at the top. We, we were taught that we had all the answers. And it's not necessarily that we wanted to tell people what to do, but that seemed to be the expectation. And I, I have to say that in the last decade, I've tried very hard to break that. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to do. So how do you help, I don't know, leaders of my age or 20 years, 30 years in to, to break what you know, we came by honestly. That's that's what we were learned. That's what we were told was was right. Well, Ken, you know that we have the great resignation going on right now. And my belief is this, is that if people actually reflect on, are they showing up as inclusive leaders? Are they showing up as I have to be the smartest person in the room and tell people what to do and have all the answers? Or are they showing up, we call it sharing their experiences? which is a very inspiring leadership approach where we let go of having to have all the answers. And, and this is our leadership philosophy in Casio Forms. Every one of our 100 plus CEO peer groups around the world, we really help leaders understand that there's a new language. It's called sharing experiences, just telling true stories about what you've done that's worked or hasn't worked. And that's a new approach that's going to speed up results. It's inspiring because then people can make their own decisions as to how they want to move forward. And we all know that when you tell people to do, they get defensive, they play the blame game. They might say, yeah, boss, sure, I'll do it. But my experience has been, they'll say, I'll do it, but they won't. <clears throat> so the key is to shift from this telling, very um, old school way of leadership, uh, because we live in an exponential change world. Things have changed. And People don't want that kind of environment. We've seen it through COVID. People want flexibility. They want a voice. They want to be able to express their views without being judged and shut down and what have you. So it, it's, it's, we have to make this intentional shift and we're committed in Acacio Farms to really helping business leaders who are ready for that. You know, some people are just, they don't think it's necessary. Um, other people, in particular in the B Corp movement, where as C CEOs uh, taking a stand on people, planet, profit, and how we treat our people matters now more than ever before. What are we doing to solve some of the world's biggest problems that many of us have boomers, as boomers, we created those problems. <laughs> so it's owning it and using business as a force for good. And that's been an explosive movement during COVID. It's just been such a beautiful part of COVID is seeing so many business leaders reach out to me saying, look, we want to become part of the B Corp movement. We, we want to take a stand on ESG, all aspects of ESG and social impact investing and what have you. And 
that's that's the future we live in is if we had every single business leader really looking at business as a force for good on people planet profit then uh, that's going to go a long way towards helping to shift people that don't see that this is what's necessary and i think nancy as i, as I listen to that and and i'm well aware of the b corp movement i i think and it's very hard to say this but sometimes good does come out of a terrible situation. And if we can draw anything from the pandemic, um, I, I think we've really seen a movement to helping one another. I mean, I'm not saying that that is translated today into, you know, a move to the B Corp. But, you know, during during these very trying times, I was a chair of the Mississauga Board of Trade. And we had the Mississauga, Mississauga Economic Resilience Group pop up. And this was a group of leaders. Not all of their businesses were doing incredibly well at the time, but they said it, it doesn't matter. We have to work together. We have to help one another uh, to get through this as a group. So I, I think there really is um, hope and opportunity for what you're describing. Well, and I think that stakeholders... Our customers, our boards, I know our board, when we're hiring people, they literally in the hiring process ask people, what do you do to contribute to your community? What is your volunteer commitment? And, uh, and it's a differentiator. And when, when I, I know that many of our members, uh, when we talk about what are all the things you're doing to make sure that going forward, you're going to be attracting top talent that is going to be part of this movement towards business as a, a force for good. It's a lot of it is, uh, yeah, we, the expectation is people that we're talking to, they want to know that we're taking a stand on serving our communities, uh, dealing with the whole people, planet, profit, and that we have a culture that treats people as human beings. And, you know, that's one of the big shifts that I've seen happen also through COVID, Ken, right. is the shift from previous, pre-COVID, I would say most business leaders would, would think that they're responsible for the work experience of their employees. And so what can we do to make your work experience what you want it to be? What's happened during COVID is I believe the businesses that are going to win and retain their top talent and attract the best of the best, they're actually saying, actually, we need to take care of that whole person's life, starting with their health. Uh, let's talk about their wealth. Let's talk about their physical environment. It's the whole life, like treat the person as a human being. Right now, it's a huge differentiator because there's a lot of companies that are slow to move towards. It's not just about work, work, work. It is about the whole person's life experience that as leaders, we have now been called upon to reframe and put things in place to support our employees. And those people who are doing that are going to be rewarded. Yeah. Well, and... You know, you're picking up on a point that I I discussed with another guest um, just a couple of days ago, and she was talking about career fluidity and the fact that we do change careers more often and we're going to because technology is going to drive us in that way. And as you're describing, it's it's the full experience of what I'll call the employment engagement rather than the job, um, how you're treated working from home. The notion, again, 20, 30 years ago, if <laughs> a side hustle was not a side hustle and it was not a positive thing. It was, why are you working after hours for, you know, is something other than the benefit of, of this company? Whereas today we're learning that this is a very enriching, enriching thing for you to do. Um, so as you're saying that, I, I'm just supporting people in their careers, as you're saying, is supporting people in their lives and their livelihood and their overall 
happiness experience, if you will. And getting them to tell the truth, if we give them a voice to say, what really matters to you? And I think there's still a lot of assumptions going on around, well, what really matters is I have to pay them more money. And the reality is, well, if you actually ask people what really matters to them, you may find out that it's not about the money, it's about the flexibility. You may find out that they want to be treated as a human being with kindness instead of told what to do and reprimanded. And right, so there are a lot of opportunities for us to give a louder voice to employees so they can just simply speak their truth, ideally judgment-free because we're all unique human beings. And it's going to this personalized approach to how we lead people into the future. It's not treating every single person as, well, here's how it's going to go. It's literally being able to have candid conversations and then being able to, how do we personalize that employee experience? And how do we find ways to retain our talent? Because they know that if they stay with us, we will make sure that they are having an enjoyable journey. And you know what? If we cannot provide them what they need, and I'm not talking, it's all, it's not all rainbows and puppies, Ken. It's just tell the truth. And then if we can't provide what it is they want and need, well, then let's help them move on to uh, a different role in either in the same organization or a different organization so that they can be achieving their full potential and making the biggest contribution, which, you know, that, that's what it's all about is being able to create the space for people to achieve their full potential, make the biggest contribution. And if they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, let's help them figure out where they need to go in order to be able to do that. And, and the, the word that I'm thinking of, too, as you describe that is, is a pretty simple one in, in one way, and, and it's, it's respect. Um, respecting the individual and, you know, and you've known me a while now, my, my focus is innovation. It's working with leaders on innovation um, and their teams. And, and I often get from them, well, if we don't do, um, you know, what everybody comes up with or, or respect everybody's ideas or go with their idea, they're going to be upset. Um, they're going to be put off or, or, or disengaged. And my answer, and I, I, I think it's what I'm hearing from you is that, you no, know, not, not everyone's going to be right all the time, but if you hear them, um, respect what they're saying and constructively address it, meaning this is why we're doing this versus that. This is why we've chosen one way versus the other. What, what I find, and again, to your point of bringing people in and, and engaging or empowering, ju- just have a very respectful two-way conversation and people will learn and grow and understand um, your point of view. Well, that's the dream. Is <laughs> how do we have people actively listening to understand versus to respond? And, uh, and when you talk about innovation, I know that's your key area of expertise or one of your key areas of expertise. Uh, we developed through COVID this McKay Master Model for Inspired Leadership. And we have 10 critical leadership skills that we believe in today's exponential change world are so critical and fundamental to all business leaders. And one of them is innovation mastery. Because again, if as leaders, if we're using the same outdated leadership approaches that we've done in the past, we're not going to win. It's, it's a whole new world. And uh, all the, the things we have to adjust to in terms of the expectations of what are the expectations of business leaders and where are they meant to be? I know how can they be making the biggest contribution? So we've got these 10 
time mastery and ego mastery and passion mastery, relationship mastery. These are all of the elements that we believe that now more than ever, if we have every business leader on the journey of mastering their time, when you master your time, you master your life. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can make the biggest contribution, not just to work, but to making sure that you're not sacrificing your health and your important family relationships. Ego mastery is all about how do you really listen without uh, feeling like you have to get defensive or playing the blame game. And when people are in a negative emotional state, and Ken, I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it during COVID. People are just in a negative emotional state exponentially more than pre-COVID. So let's realize that when we are in that negative emotional state, our ego gets really loud and we want to play the blame game, get defensive and all these things. And so, so this whole idea of how do we as business leaders step into, we need to become relevant and current and master inspiring ourselves with these critical factors. And by the way, if any of your listeners would like a complimentary copy of our Inspired Leadership You Go First Toolkit Strategy Guide, then I'm happy to follow up with you and share it freely because we want people to have a toolkit of how can they innovate? How can they master their time and not burn out? How do they make sure that they're in the right place at the right time, making the biggest contribution? Oh, that's great. I'm sure that many would appreciate it. Um, COVID, <laughs> I, I think you nailed something or you hit something that's just so important. I mean, it, it's, I, I'm a pretty positive person. Um, I'm a pretty resilient person. Holy cow, it's been tough. <laughs> um, it's been tough on me. It's been tough on people around me. And what's echoed in my mind is, is um, my, my late father was a very successful entrepreneur. And when I started out in my first business, it was in my, my late 20s. And, and he used to say to me, when things get challenging, um, break down the day into to time slots and into um, activities that you can manage. And he, he was not super, um, he, he didn't have an exact formula, but he would say, if you can manage an hour, you know, focus on the next hour. If you can manage 15 minutes and setting up one appointment, focus on that. And, and that's something that I've really used in the last two years to, to block out the noise and to actually make some, some small steps forward when, when I wasn't exactly sure how. Um, and and that, that, was a t that was a tough feeling as a leader. I think that's great that you got some wise comments and insights and that you've taken it to heart and it's, it's had an impact on you. And yeah, I, 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 one of my areas of ex expertise that I'm most passionate about is CEO and executive time mastery. And absolutely a key formula for success is really recognizing that each and every one of us, we have these six different roles. We have our work role. We have our self-care, which in my view is the most important role because what I've learned through COVID is a lot of business leaders are not taking the time to take care of themselves personally, whether it's exercise or health or what have you. And we have a mental health crisis going on, crisis going on. And uh, so we have this thing called work, but we have to take care of ourselves. We have our, hopefully a love relationship that matters to us. We have our kids, we have friends, we have social contribution. And so these are all the elements that we need to really reflect on. We have a hundred hours a week of waking hours, if you get the recommended amount of sleep that doctors will say, seven to eight hours sleep a night, we have a hundred waking hours. 
And so the key is to really be thinking about how many hours a day do you spend taking care of you? Do you spend with your spouse or the person that you're in a love relationship? Do you spend with your kids? Do you spend doing any kind of social contribution? Do you spend taking care of your health? And then the rest of it is work time. And I see one of the biggest mistakes leaders make is they kind of put all the work in there and then they try to stuff in taking care of themselves and their love relationship and other things that really matter to them. And that to me is heartbreaking because uh, my perspective is if you take care of you, you have a lot more love and energy to give to the rest of the world. If you honor that your family is more important than anyone else, then where you spend your time is a reflection of your commitment to what really matters to you. So this whole idea of role setting goals, we've launched that Vacacio Forums this year, in particular to really help business leaders take a hard look. You got a hundred hours a week. Where are you spending it? And right. you get to choose. Well, you do. And I, and I think the other thing um, that we've learned during the pandemic is um, as well, especially being Toronto based, you know, taking the commute out of our life has given us a big chunk back for us. Um, <laughs> funny personal story. I have a two-year-old dog and, and my kids got um, a little shirt made that said, I'm, I'm my dad's 10,000 steps. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so absolutely. That, that balance is critical. Um, Nancy, taking a step back for a second, this is a, a question I've, I've wanted to ask for a while. Um, what, what is the bridge between effective decision-making um, and inspiration? And what I mean by that, one of, one of my longtime clients, and he's become a friend over the years, uh, CEO of a, a very good-sized company, used to say, you know, it's, it's a democracy until it's not. So there's, there's a point of empowerment, a point of inspiration, but there's a point in which you have to make a decision. Somebody has to make a decision, and that, that goes with the title and role. How do you do that without undoing all of the good in, in empowerment and, and embracing team? My view is I use the language with my team and our members, who has the D, which comes from a Harvard Business Review article. I don't know if you've read it, but it's uh, one of these articles that I've shared for years and years and years to our members and to so many of uh, uh, the people that I am coaching on time mastery and delegation. It's true delegation is really clarifying who is the decision maker. And the person who's the decision maker is responsible for the outcomes. And it's very empowering to create the clarity on who is making the decision because that means they're responsible and accountable for the outcomes. And I see a lot of conflict going on in organizations because there isn't clarity on who is the decision maker. And then it becomes despiring because people are having all these meetings and spending hours and hours on meetings, but they haven't really clarified saying, well, no, actually, this is Ken's decision. So mm -hmm. when we're discussing things, we're doing it because we're helping Ken make the best decision possible. We're not doing it to fight with each other because we all have a big ego and feel like we have the answer it's getting clear on who is the decision maker. So I think that's the difference between an inspiration and uh, despiring. It was the, what I call it is when we don't have that clarity around who is the decision maker. And when people hang on to the decisions for way too long, it's speeding things up. It's about pushing things down, getting other people to be, building future leaders is getting them to make decisions and letting go. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. And as you know, I just recently transitioned out of the CEO role at McCasey Forums after 17 years as the founder and CEO. And we brought in our new, very inspiring CEO, Bill McLean. And we have 
that conversation on literally every time we get together, we talk about as I'm handing things over, you've got the D, it's your decision. I'm no longer making those decisions and every step of the way. And I believe that that's been key to our successful transition to Bill stepping into the CEO role during COVID, uh, during a time where the world needs more peer support than ever. So uh, that language, very, I believe, very inspiring. Well, no, thank you for that. And, and, and thank you for sharing about the, um, you know, your, your recent transition um, in, in roles and, 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 you know, with McKay CEO forum. I, I think, Nancy, that that's a really important lesson. I mean, I've, I've been through that. I've built a firm. I've exited the firm in a, in a very positive way. Um, it did not have my name on the door. <laughs> so I, I can only imagine, you know, the, the, the sense of pride, but also the sense of challenge in, in what you're describing. Well, honestly, I say this to Bill almost every day. He's a dream come true because as a founder, uh, we, um, when I let my board know um, in early 2020 that I wanted to transition out of the CEO role after 16 years, there were some concerns. Uh, because I have been the founder and have been the CEO for so long. And I said, well, why don't we hire a succession, a CEO succession expert, someone who's been there and done that. And I call these people game changers, someone who's been there and done that before that have a proven roadmap that's going to ensure that we have a very successful, smooth transition over to the new CEO. And we, I interviewed a whole bunch of people and I discovered Bill McLean in that interview process to be our succession coach. And halfway through the project, Bill said, I, I'd like to throw my name in the hat. And I just thought, you know, my dreams come true, because I was thinking if I could find someone like Bill McLean, who has been there and done that before CEO successions with founders, and he's worked with literally hundreds of uh, business owners and leaders and helping them sc and scale their businesses. And he has scaled many businesses. You know, sometimes in life, you just luck out and the universe brings you a rock star. And that's what happened. So it makes it super easy for me as a founder to hand things over to Bill because he's just so competent and he's such a great culture fit. And, um, and he's just so respectful of, I am the founder and he really wants to collaborate with me and and he really wants it to be a very enjoyable journey for the long term for both of us, because I'm still a significant shareholder. I'm on the board. I chair a bunch of CEO groups. I'm still actively involved. I'm no longer, I don't have any D. Bill has the D for everything, uh, which is great. Well, <laughs> I hope this becomes a great case study that you share further. I mean, I've had the opportunities, you know, to work with many of your your chairs and, and, and members over the years, and, and they're an incredible group. And and that is because in great part because of you. Yes, it's a team. Yes, it's it's but it's it's the culture you've built. And I think the right through to the description of the transition, it's really um, it's a testament to who you are and what you've done for the CEO community. So I, I, I will thank you on behalf of the CEO community for that. <laughs> and, thank you um, for that. I appreciate the acknowledgement and I'm very grateful uh, to be. It's an honor to be part of this amazing community of uh, human beings who really want to, they come together because they want to be the best version of themselves and they want to step into how do we treat every person as a human being? How do we make the world a more inspiring world? So it is an unbelievable 
Inspiring Community. And thank you for your contribution, doing the speaking and your generosity with helping any of our members who reach out to you who may want some guidance around innovation and any of the things that you do. So thank you, Ken. Thank you, Nancy. And as our time draws to a close, the last question I have for you is, look, the role, the role has changed. Leadership has changed. The CEO role has changed. We, we've, we've touched on many aspects. Our next-gen leaders, and I don't know if there's an age to it because there's a lot of 20-something CEOs these days, but so let's just say our next-gen leaders, our aspiring CEOs, what do they need to do? What, what, what do they look like to be successful in the next five to 10 years? The number one message I, and I, I love coaching young CEOs as much as I love coaching very experienced CEOs, which I've been doing for uh, over 17 years. And the, the one thing I say to them is, you be you. And it's time for people to have the space to take a stand on their uniqueness, who they really are, what they're committed to, what they want to take a stand on. And you know, in the past, people were so concerned about hierarchies and, oh my gosh, and we have to go through the, the levels of hierarchy and make decisions. And you know what? The new generation is all about like, hey, we're all just human beings. And I don't have a problem going to talk to the CEO. I don't have a problem going to talk to whoever it is, like the biggest customer. I, it's just so refreshing to see them going, hey, you know, we're all human beings and we want to uh, serve. We want to make a big impact and the passion and the energy and and UBU is the key message I give people. Don't follow along in the boomer footsteps <laughs> of make sure that you say all the right things and make sure you're scripted and what have you. Create a whole new world where let's just treat each other as human beings judgment-free and let's honor that everyone has a different point of view and, uh, and we all are put on the planet, I believe, to make the biggest impact. Thank you for that. Thank you for those words. And again, thank you for being on Say Hi to the Future today. Thank you so much, Ken. Pure joy to support you and your community of listeners. Thank you for inviting me here today.